The Bible says, the Lord is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the mountains be removed and cast into the midst of the sea. The Psalms say the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, my enemies, and my foes came against me, they stumbled and fell. We are rehearsing the word of God. The word of God is so essential, necessary, relevant. It is the most quintessential element in your life. If you have no word in you, you will die. I repeat, if you have no word in you, you will die. You can pray and pray and pray and the Spirit of God can be with you. But if you have no word in you, there is nothing for the Spirit to connect to. What you will live out is an exemplification of your own ideas, your own emotions, worldly ideologies, which are of the world and of the flesh, but give no glory to God. In order to be a Christian, you have to eat the word. You will not know the mind of God. You will not know the heart of God. You will not know the move of God if you have no word in you. It is essential that we take time to eat Spiritually, it is essential for our spiritual well-being, for our family's spiritual well-being, and for our community. We have a lot of people that confess Christianity, but they have no word in them. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will confirm what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to confirm what I said, what you said, what my emotions are, what my desires are, what my social agenda is, what my political agenda may be, the power of God only backs up what Jesus said. Can somebody say hallelujah? 
You start from the, you want to know what Jesus said? You start from the book of Genesis. And there are 66 books that we are to immerse ourselves in, that we are to eat from spiritually. This is our spiritual diet. The reason many of us are falling by the wayside and getting off track is because there is no word. I can confirm your Christianity that you confess with your mouth by the life that you live. The Bible says a tree is known by its fruit. A good tree will not bear, the Bible says, a good tree does not bear bad fruit. And a bad tree does not bring forth good fruit. And if you go into the book of James, he says, watch your words. Bitter and sweet waters, your words, our words, the Bible says, out of the abundance of our heart does the mouth speak. Our words, it says, cannot be bitter and sweet. If we have bitter and sweet words, coming out of the same fountain, bitter and sweet waters, then the fountain is polluted and it needs to be cleansed. So the Bible says that we have power, life and death is in the power of the tongue. But if the tongue is bringing forth bitter and sweet waters, then the Holy Spirit can only back up what the Word says. That is the reason there, a lot of times we're praying and we're not seeing an answer to our prayers. We're hoping and wishing but we're not seeing a manifestation of God's glory. And what we want is a manifestation and a fulfillment of God's glory in our life. Somebody say amen. So my desire today is to do what God told me to do. My desire is to give you what God told me to give you. My desire is that you would grow individually and corporately and that you will be independent of Pastor Wesley. I will give you everything I have that I know. Anybody that knows me or has been under my ministry knows I'll give you everything. I hold nothing back. Why? My desire is for you to grow and to be independent between you and God so that you will see that manifestation. It's wonderful to see the people of God in the house of God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Can we give God a praise?
but we want you to come here equipped. We want you to come here charged up. We want you to come here anointed. We want you to grow. We don't want to see you malnourished. We notice that we're praying for some one week and they're coming back the next week with the same issue. Well, when we're praying for you, the Holy Spirit connects with the power of God in you, the word of God in you, you take that anointing and that power home, you read your word, you pray before the Lord, you bind and you loose and you wage spiritual warfare on your own and when I see you next time, I want to hear a victory report. Somebody say hallelujah. You can come and I can jumpstart you and jumpstart you by the power of the Holy Ghost. But if that battery is dead and there's no word in you, there is nothing going to be manifest. The healing will not stay. The deliverance will not stay. The devils will not stay away. They come back to the house that was cleansed or that was clean, bringing seven worse than themselves, and your last state is worse than your first. We want you to be delivered. Somebody say hallelujah. So we meticulously try to bring out principles in the word of God that you may be able to take these principles and apply them to your daily lives. It is essential, just like we love our, well, spare ribs. Anybody in here for spare ribs? Anybody in here for oxtails, beans and rice? Come on, raise your hands, raise your hands. If, if you love these foods, hallelujah, some plantain, hallelujah. Oh, we love our fried plantain. Hallelujah. And for me, I love my cornbread and I love some grits too. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, my wife does some grits and eggs. That's all. I'm good. I am good. I desire these things. I think about them even when they're not in my presence. I think about it before I can even get there and my mouth starts to salivate. And get prepared for that meal that's coming. Even before I get there, before it can be put on the table or wherever I'm going to get it from. I really enjoy a good meal. How many of you enjoy a good meal? Hallelujah. Everybody loves a good meal. Praise the Lord. You go to a restaurant or somebody cooks a meal for you. You say, you know what? That didn't taste too good. I'm not coming back here. I, I, that, that, that was a little bland that was not to my taste but when somebody cooks a good meal oh we'll come back oh we'll return hallelujah and we'll leave there smiling well God wants you to desire the word of God the same way he wants you to hunger and to thirst for his word. He wants you to salivate before you read Psalm 27, Psalm 34, the first Psalm, hallelujah. God wants you to desire his word. 
the Bible says you have to take extract the spiritual principle. If you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have eternal life. And the Jews thought he was a cannibal. And he says, no, no, you don't get it. I'm not talking about a physical diet. I'm talking about a spiritual diet. When you come to God, in the book of John, the third chapter, there was a ruler of the Jews. His name was Nicodemus, and he came to Jesus by night. And he says, Master, I know that you come from God because nobody can do the things that you do except for God sent him and Jesus cut it all off. He says, verily, verily, I tell you, you have to be born again. You have to be born again of the water and of the spirit or you will not see the kingdom of God. And I tell each and every one of you out here today, you must be born again or else you will not see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. The Bible says that the flesh profiteth you nothing but it's the spirit that gives life. If you don't eat spiritually, you will die. Put your hands on your chest and say, if I don't eat the word of God, I will become weak, lethargic, covetous, proud, adulterous, and every other thing that that old man was before I was born again. When I was born again, I became a child of God. I became righteous. I'm covered by the blood, but I have a choice to walk in that old man or to put on Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. We have a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice. Somebody say, I have a choice. I have a choice. I have a choice. There was an old, there was a comedian in the old days. His name was Flip Wilson. And his saying was, the devil made me do it. Well, I'm telling you that after you're born again of the spirit, you still have two natures inside of you. You have the old man and you have the new man. In the old Pentecostal church, we used to sing, I looked at my hands and they were new and I looked at my feet and they were too. But I'm telling you, your hands and your feet are not new. It's your spirit that is new. And that old man crucified with Christ, buried in baptism so we should rise and walk in newness of life. Why? Because even as the Apostle Paul was speaking, if you go in the book of Romans, the seventh chapter, he said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Well, the spiritual analogy was that he had a dead man on his back, just carrying him around like this. He says, it is a weight 
And you know the scripture says, cast away every weight and so the sin that so easily besets you and run the race that is before you. Well, how can you run the race, hallelujah, in pride? How can you run the race in covetousness? How can you run the race in promiscuity? How can you run the race, hallelujah, in adultery? How can you run the race in all these things, in this old man on your back, weighing you down? He says, but thanks be unto God that gives me the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, I am now free from that old man. And I, if I walk in the spirit, somebody say walk in the spirit. You walk in the spirit and you straighten up. Somebody say straighten up. Straighten up. Straighten up. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What we wanted to... Um, talk to you about today. We want to take care of the formalities. Father, we just bless you today and we ask you to infuse your word into each and every one that is here. Father, we thank you for, Lord God, the pastors, ministers, deacons, friends, and we bless you today for the blood of Jesus, Father, that covers, oh God, um, every aspect of this message. We ask, oh God, that you totally take control and we pray, Father, for deliverance for each and every one of your people. We pray for freedom of mind, body, spirit, and soul. And we pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, those of you that have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Judges. The sixth chapter. The book of Judges, the sixth chapter. What we're going to do is we're going to extract principles here. We're going to extract principles. We want to explain the history of this book first. The purpose of this book is to show God's judgment against sin is certain and that his forgiveness of sin and restoration and relationship are just as certain as those that repent. The certainty a forgiveness and restoration are based upon repentance. The certainty of forgiveness and restoration are based upon repentance. The main theme, I've read the book of Judges numerous times and um, I've studied it. There's a, lot, there's a lot in there. The main theme that I would understand comes from 17 and 6 it says in those days Israel had no king and all the people did what seemed right in their own eyes and to, re to, to reiterate that or to go over that the people of Israel invested in a leader they didn't invest in God they invested in a man, but they, did, they didn't really invest in God. So every time a man died or a leader would die, they would go right back into their sins. The man or the woman made the investment, and they plugged into the man or the woman. So God raised up these judges. After Moses, he, uh, he bought Joshua, and um, after Joshua died, basically, you have them going through, gone through their scenarios again. They're back, and I'm going to make the analogy that primarily it's like a person that has been born again they have the promises of God they have seen the power of God they have seen the miracles of God they know what God can do 
There's one essential element, though, that, that's important. These Israelites are maybe two, three generations removed from Moses. So the generation that really saw all those things had died. And now we have a generation here that is stooped, steeped in idolatry, steeped in, 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 in uh, bow worship, steeped in, in uh, 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 the things that God told them not to do. And they're wondering what happened. And I want to speak to the parents here today. Their parents, grandparents, the ones that saw the move of God, the ones that saw the glory of God, were supposed to take the time with these children, with this generation. If the parents fall into idolatry, then so will the next generation. Somebody put their hand on chest and said, they're looking at me. My children are looking at me. If I'm not free, they won't be either. They're looking at us. They're looking, they're listening. Remember the bitterness we want? They're listening to our words. They're mocking, they're marching to our steps. You ever see the little ducks and mama duck is going along and the little, little ducklings are just right behind? Well, that's the way our children are and the generations follow behind us. And if we have seen the glory of God, if we have tasted of the heavenly presence of God, and we do not convey this emphatically with the power and with the necessity that is essential for them to be free and receive those miracles in their life, then we are at fault. You can't just send them out to school and expect everything to turn okay. You send them out into the world and expect the world to, oh, that's just where this is, this is, especially, especially, this is not a Christian nation anymore. You send them into our school system, they are not learning Christianity. Their peer groups don't talk about the love of God, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. Thou, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit murder. No, they're talking about the latest rap songs. They're talking about killing the police and, and the, the, the filthy words and, and the promiscuity. And that's what they're seeing on TV too. The only thing in that home that's going to make a difference for those children is you. For those that are watching through live stream and through those that are here today. God is holding us accountable. If you let them go, you, did, you were too busy. Too busy working. Too busy doing this. Too busy doing that. It is just like the children of Israel that turned their children over to Baal. And they allowed them to kill off their children so that they could have a better harvest. You're not going to have a better harvest if you don't take care of your family. I don't, personally, I'm going to speak from my perspective. I don't care what's going on at your job. I don't care what's going on elsewhere at the church. You have to spend time with your family. I know too many ministers, and I've gone through this myself. We were so immersed. I'm serving the Lord. I don't have time. I'm ser I went down that road. 
I'm serving the Lord. I don't have time. I'm sorry. Ministry is first. And you know what? You see your family falling apart, deteriorating little by little by little by little. Dads, I'm talking to you. You have to be there. You got to know what are the grades, what's going on with them. At one time, my son came home and he said, Dad, I went to school and I was trying to play basketball and I threw the basketball over the backboard. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've been absent. I've been absent. I'm not a, I'm not a really an, an avid sports person, but it's up to me to get out there and take time with that boy. And if, he, if I don't, I'll go on YouTube or learn how to dribble, do whatever I got to do so that he will have good self-esteem when he goes because I'm putting godly principles in him and I want him to walk in integrity and I want him to believe in himself but there's no greater way to have the children with great self-esteem than for that parent to get behind them and to fill them with the positive things you know you got something good here you know God created you as an individual God's going to do great things through you God's working through you God's going to empower you. God will see you through. You are unique. You are beautiful. There's none like you. You got to speak into your children's life. And when they fail, you got to be there to lift them up. Hallelujah. We can't turn our children over to the gods of this world, to the Canaanites. The judges were Athenial, Ehud, Deborah, Barak, Gideon, Abimelech, Jephthah, Samson. This is an old historical account that was given for our admonition today. The Bible says that things that happened to them were really an example for us to take the principles from to live by. It's not just a bunch of stories. It's not just a, a historical account. We were supposed to look at the Israelites and what they went through and we were supposed to extract the principles so that we could live by them on a daily basis. The major problem for the children of Israel was not killing off the Midianites, the Canaanites, and all those that God told them to remove to possess the land. And the major problem with us as the church is not killing off and burying the old man with his wicked deeds, allowing that old man to live. And in most cases, he's alive and in control. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 6. It reads on this wise. When the Lord God brings you into the land which you shall possess, you shall cast out the nations before you. And it speaks up the Hittites, the Gergesites, the, the Canaanites. And it says, all the nations that are mightier than you, you will destroy their altars. You will break down the sacred pillars. You will cut down the wooden images. You will burn the carved images in the fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. You are chosen. You are a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples of the earth. We are not like everybody else. Can you raise your hand with me? Say, I am not. Like everybody else, don't put me in with the crowd. I'm not just another apple in the bunch. I'm special. I am special. My children are special. 
and don't get mad at me because I talk about them like they're special. Or I believe that we're special. Or I raise them like they're special. For people and you and your wife and you ain't telling me nothing bad about your marriage. And you ain't telling me nothing bad about your children. And who do you think you are? Well, I'm going to tell you something today. Some things are best kept at home. Our business with our children and what's gone in our marriage, I'll tell you, there may be 2% of the people in this church today that actually can do anything about it. It is us, it's up to us to get on our knees, sanctify ourselves, and pray that God may bring a difference in our lives. But it's not for us to go tell it unto, unto everybody that just want to hear something, something's wrong. Okay? There's a story in the Bible. I forget. I think she was a Shumanite woman. Her son died. And the, the prophet's uh, minister came and said, woman, what's wrong? But she was trying to make it, I believe, it to Elisha. And she says, all is well. All's well. All is well. And when you get to that place in faith in your life, when we get to that place of faith in our life, when we really know who is in control, I'm going to defer. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You don't have to go with me to Matthew, the eighth chapter, and it speaks about the centurion. He was a, he was a, a, a Roman a military man. He was a Roman, a Roman military man. He said his servant was, had, I believe, had palsy, was severely ill and in pain, paralyzed, I believe. Now, this is a Roman. This is a Roman. He told somebody to go tell Jesus to come. He told somebody to go tell Jesus to come. Listen to the principles here. They went, they spoke with Jesus, and Jesus says, I will come. That's number one. Jesus desires for you to be healed. Jesus desires for your family to be well. Jesus' desire is for you to live well. And that you would prosper. Jesus' desire is the best for you. He says, I will come. I didn't see anywhere in there where they asked him a leper bowed down to him one time. You know, a leper was not supposed to come anywhere, maybe six feet if there was no wind. Maybe 30, 50 feet if there was wind. They couldn't come anywhere near the Jews. Because they had such a debilitating disease that basically their, their, the body parts would start corroding and falling off. They didn't want them anywhere near them. A leper came to Jesus, bowed down before him, says, Master, if you desire, you can heal me. And Jesus laid hands on the leper. Principle. That's the heart of God. Extract the principle. Extract the principle. Store it. That's the heart of God for you. That's the heart of God for me. That's the heart of God for our children. God wants to heal your children. God wants your children to be free. God wants your children to do well. God wants your children to have a good education. God wants your children to have a good career. God wants your children to be dedicated to him and serve him and to glorify him. But it starts with us.
The centurion told Jesus, he says, I don't need for you to come under my roof. I'm a man of authority. Look at the principle. He's a physical man of authority. But what is he seeing in Jesus? He says, if I have troops under me and tell them to come or to go, they come and they go. Like that, no problem. But this man had an epiphany. He had a revelation. Somebody say, he had a revelation. Say, God, give me a revelation of who you are. He understood that Jesus was holding everything together by his word. Come on, let's, let's try to imagine that. Jesus holds everything together by his word. He is not just a man that just came amongst us. He is the eternal word that brought everything into existence. Everything was not only made by him, but was made for him, comes from him, and to him is everything going to go. He is the eternal word that when you see the planets and you see earth doesn't go any closer to the sun, it doesn't go any closer to Mars, it doesn't go any closer to any other planets. Jesus is the reason that this thing is happening. Why the earth is rotating on its axis. Why the sun doesn't come any closer. Why your, your clothes don't fall apart. Why wood doesn't fall apart. Jesus is holding it all together in the spirit. He is the eternal word of God what is too hard for God God can heal cancer God can remove diabetes God can remove heart trouble God can take away sin God can lift you up God can turn you around God can remove that addiction there's nothing 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 too hard for our God somebody say hallelujah He understood that and Jesus says, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. You know who I am. You know who I am. The Israelites didn't know who he was. They were complaining. And this is the time that Gideon was being raised up as a judge. So God sent a prophet and he sent the angel of the Lord to Gideon. And Gideon started to complain. Where have you been? Where is the God of our fathers? What happened? Why are you allowing the Midianites and the Canaanites to come? The Israelites were hiding in caves. Every time the Midianites and the Canaanites would come on the land, they would take everything that they got. They were taking one step forward and two steps back. Two steps forward and three steps back. Are any of us living like that? It just doesn't seem like we can make any progress. One step forward. Two steps back, two steps forward, three steps back. The Canaanites were devouring, ravishing, taking everything that they have. And the principle here is that there is a spiritual analogy between the Canaanites that was devouring their land and that old man that God told us that we were crucified and that we were to mortify and we were not allow him to raise his head because the works of the flesh would be manifest in our life and that we would go back to living that old lifestyle and that old man is in control, ravishing the land, hindering us. 
Sickness will not go. Prosperity will not stay. Prophetical utterances not being fulfilled because the old man is alive and well and still living through us. Yes, we're saved, but the old man is dominating the life. And God is still God. But God has said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Is it going to be the old God of the flesh, the God of pride, the God of covetousness? You know, some of these things are immersed in our culture. We love food, but a lot of us overeat. That's called gluttony. Our sexuality is immersed sometimes in our culture. And we may think, okay, it's all right for that aspect of my life to just have a little freedom. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil don't take an inch. He'll take a mile. You let that devil free, you let that old man up, and he's going to take everything. He will eat your lunch, your dinner, take your children, take your home, break up your marriage. That old man has to be crucified. That's the spiritual analogy. That's the allegory between what they were going through and what we're going through. So Gideon had to do a couple things. First of all, he had to repent. And I'm going to tell you, if you want a revival in your life, if you want a revival in your church, biblically it starts with repentance. What does repentance mean? Lord, I am looking in the mirror. And you know what? The Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. In the Old Testament, it says he had an excellent spirit. But don't you know Daniel's prayer was, Lord, forgive us. Daniel wasn't, Lord, forgive them. He was, forgive us. Repentance. That's the first thing. And we know that God, he says, if we say we have no sin, that we're a liar. But he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all sin. He'll wash us in his precious blood. That's the first part, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for forgiveness, repentance. When Jonah went to Nineveh, even though they weren't saved, God saved that city and they had a great revival. Why? Because they asked for forgiveness. Number two, stop complaining. Stop complaining as much as God has done for you and done for me, how he bought you out. How many times has he delivered us? How many times has he come through financially? How many times has he healed us? How many times has he healed our family? How many times has he brought us through? And yet and still we're murmuring and complaining. Oh Lord, woe is me. Where are you? God has been there for us over and over and over and over and over. And we still got this bitter look on our face. And we still got this bitter heart. And we're looking across the way. And we got this covetous spirit. Things look greener over there. Things look greener over there. I wish I had what they had. I wish I had so-and-so's husband. I wish I had so-and-so's wife. I wish I had so-and-so's house. I wish I had so-and-so's children. The devil is a liar. We have to come out of that old man and crucify him with the deeds thereof. Somebody say hallelujah. And we're thinking it's natural. Why? Because that's how they sell you things on TV. Through covetousness. Look at that car. 
Don't you wish you had that car? Look at that house. Don't you wish you had that house? Well, look at that babe on that car. Don't you wish you had that babe and that car? You can't buy in. You can't buy in. If you do, if you do, and most of us have at one time or another, come on, let's be honest, okay? That stuff will connect with that old man. That old man will rise up, and he don't just want the babe. He wants multiple babes. He don't just want the car. He don't care whose car. He don't just want the house. He doesn't have any dignity about what he goes about doing. And we try to hide it. The thought processes. The eyes are wandering. The eyes start to wonder about what's over there and what's over here and this swing at. You know what? Just because you have a little something going on in your home, your children may be giving you a little trouble. And I'm telling you something about marriage. There is no perfect marriage. There is no such thing as a perfect marriage. You're going to have your ups and you're going to have your downs. But marriage is an exemplification and is of God's love for the church. It's an exemplification of God's love for the church. He says, husband, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What does that mean, husband? That's sacrificial. Yes, we laid down our lives unto death. Why? Because it's a covenant promise that we made with the Lord. It's a blood covenant. It's not to be taken lightly, as you heard in the marriage ceremony. It's not to be taken lightly. It is something that you take seriously. That blood covenant that you have with your wife it is something, it says, God will make it where a husband will leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He had to stop complaining. Raise your hand and say, I will. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Raise your hand and say, I will. Stop looking around. I will be content with what God gave me. I don't want what nobody else has. I just want what God gave me. Come on, give God some praise. Give God some praise. The other thing is they had to make a sacrifice. And I'm going to end it with this and we're going to pray. The aspect of sacrifice, if you look at Elijah the prophet, and he says, when I make the sacrifice and I put it out, God answers by fire. If you want to see the fire of God in your life, you got to make a sacrifice. You got to make a sacrifice. God answers the sacrifice with fire. You want the anointing, you got to make a sacrifice. You want to be healed, you got to make a sacrifice. You want your children to come out of bondage, you got to make a sacrifice. You want to see the power of God, you got to make a sacrifice. If you don't make a sacrifice, you will never see the power of God. You have to make a sacrifice. You have to make a sacrifice. And it becomes a way of life. I said it becomes a way of life. Well, I have something in mind. What is the sacrifice, Pastor Wesley? You have to spend time with God in prayer. And you got to eat that word. You have to spend time in prayer. And you have to eat that word. 
Husbands, it's no good for your wife to read the Bible and you don't read the Bible. Wives, it's no good for your husband to read the Bible and you don't read the Bible. You both have to eat that word or else you're going to be malnourished. How can you raise up the sword in battle when you have no spiritual strength? Except for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical, but they're mighty through God. But how can you raise the sword of the spirit if you have no spiritual strength? The Holy Ghost can't empower you. Your battery is dead. It's dying. You need a jump start. And when you go home, you're not applying the word of God. You're not eating on the word of God. You're not feasting on the word of God. And you come back next week the same way you left last week. You're dead and you're dying. I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. You have to get in the word so that God has something to connect with inside of you. You have to make a sacrifice. Your home needs to fire. Your marriage needs to fire. Your children needs to fire. You need that fire. You cannot fight that old man with no fire. And the fire comes by sacrifice. And don't look around for somebody else to do it. God's talking to you. This is prophetical. Somebody say, this is prophetical. This is prophetical. Okay, the prophet didn't come to you one by one by one, but he's talking to God is talking to you. God is talking to you. God is talking to me. Before I come to you with these messages, I apply them to myself. God is talking to all of us. God, I don't care what type of job you had. You better make time for the word. You better make time for prayer or else you will die. Your children will die. That Canaanite will rise up and devour everything that you have. That old man will rise up and your children will not see their way. Your children will not see their way. The sacrifice of prayer and reading the Bible. I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this time. The last thing is we have to tear down the altar. They had an altar of Baal in the, in the, middle, in the middle of their village. They had an altar of this demon God that they sacrificed their children to in the middle of their village. They had become so worldly that their conscience had been seared like with a hot iron. You keep watching CNN. You keep watching Fox. You keep watching all these news stations. And you stay in the middle of all of this stuff, this political stuff and this social stuff. And you don't get inside of that word. I'm going to tell you right now, you will become immersed into the agenda of the Canaanites of this world. And they'll look for you and we'll find you on the other side. But the people of God will do great exploits. There will be sacrifice. There will be a there will be a need for sacrifice because they're going to come after us after a while because you're not going to be like everybody else we don't dress like everybody else we don't talk like everybody else we don't act like everybody else because we are the children of the most high God somebody say hallelujah tear down the altar tear down the altar tear down the altar Tear down the altar. Tear down the altar of lasciviousness. Tear down the altar of covetousness. Tear down the altar. Hallelujah. Pride. 
Pride whispers, this is the way the old man talks to us. Pride whispers, you have no self-esteem without me. Pride whispers, I'm really the smart one. Nobody is as smart as me. That's what pride tells us. You see, you, without me, you have no self-esteem. Stiff, stiff. Yeah, pride, nobody says, I'm smarter than everybody. I'm a whiz. I can figure my way around you. I can figure my way around you. I can figure, and I can use you and manipulate you. Wow, I got it up here. That's, that's pride. That's pride. Lust says, you know you need your needs taken care of, and it's okay to look. A little nudity, alleviate your sexual desires. Modern psychology says, it's okay, it's normal. That's lust. It's okay to look a little bit, to imagine. Oh, they got these books on the, on the shelf here, and there's books to these magazines. Ah, oh, just open one up and just take a look. It's normal. My TV goes to these illicit channels. All those illicit channels, that they, all that HBO and that Cinemax and all that junk with all that profanity and all that nudity, every one of us need to shut that stuff down. Need to shut it down. It shouldn't be in your house. It shouldn't be near your children. It shouldn't. Th 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 that's an idol. You get that junk out of your house. We're holy people. We're holy people. We're holy people. We don't do that anymore. We don't live like that anymore. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. We don't live like that anymore. No, it's not okay. I know you don't hear it very often. The preachers don't preach this way very often. But this is God. Remember, God's talking to you. God is talking to you. It's not okay. It's not okay. Greed says you'll never have enough. You never have enough. You get a million dollars in the bank. And greed says you don't have enough. You're not content. You're not content. Apathy Nobody talks about apathy, right? Indifference. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Procrastination says what? I'll take care of that tomorrow. I'll take care of that next week. Covetousness says, I would love to have my neighbor's home. I would love to have what my neighbor has. The grass looks real green over there. I'm jealous. These are all allegorical and symbolic of spiritual Canaanites and the Midianites. And it's amazing that the word Canaan, it means to oppress, to hold back, to suppress. That's what the word Canaan means. So when that old man rises up, that's what he's doing. He's holding you back. He's suppressing you. He's hindering you. But today is the day of salvation. We're going to ask all of you to stand at this time. And we're going to ask God. We're going to ask God to do a work in our minds, our spirit, and our soul. Raise your hands unto the Lord. Say, Lord, I stand before you and I humble myself. I need you. I see things 
in my life. The pulls, the tugs, the desires that are holding me back from progressing forward. And your word says, if I do it your way, I will see results. You have made me great promises. You have made my children great promises. And Lord, I want to receive it. I want to be free. I want to walk in the power of God. I want the fire of God. So Lord, today, I choose you. Over the Canaanites, over the old man, I renounce the works of the flesh. I renounce that old man. And in Jesus' name, I ask you to wash me with your blood. I ask you today to renew a right spirit in me. And Lord, give me the desire to eat of your word, to stay in your presence so that I may be strong enough to wage war against the Canaanites, against the old man, I claim victory in the name of Jesus. Now say this real loud. Satan, I bind you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over my mind, I command you to go. Over my spirit, I command you to go. Over my soul, I command you to relinquish every attack and go I declare and decree I am free from your presence and from your influence I'm a child of the most high God I walk in the spirit and I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh I'm healed today. I'm free today. I'm successful today. My children are free. My grandchildren are free. And the power of God rests on me, rests on my home. I'm covered with the blood of the Lamb. And I will keep it that way. Somebody give God some praise. Hallelujah.